Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files. I'm Tom Donaldson with Tuesday's co-host, Coco Konski. Uh, he will be with us for a little bit, and she'll explain why in a couple of minutes. At the bottom of the hour, Dr. Larry is going to come on the show and uh, try to replace uh, Coco. Not that it can ever be I'm done. I'm not replaceable. That's what I just said. Can't be done. <laughs> but, so, yeah, all right. So I'm Tom Donson. I'm the chairman of America's PAC, uh, the project director of America's Majority Foundation, the author of eight great books. I've got another one I'm working on uh, that should be out, depending how soon I can get a publisher. And then, and so, and that's about all for me. And Coco, why don't you tell everybody what a great person you are? Tell us, uh, Coco will tell us, uh, you know, what a great person she is. Uh, so we had a little, uh, a little, a little phone for situation with her, but she'll be right back. Uh, so we're gonna, she's gonna talk about, um, she's taking the vaccine, and she's gonna talk about her experiences with the vaccine. I'll talk about mine. Uh, it'll be kind of interesting. Tomorrow's show, we are gonna have Kevin Roach, who uh, is uh, uh, is going to also detail vaccination and other issues. The COVID should be interesting. Uh, he is an advocate of getting the vaccine, and he's going to talk about some of the results in the state of Minnesota and elsewhere. And I know that he's had some disagreements with some of those individuals like Alex Bernstein, who's been more negative on the vaccine. So Kevin Roach will be on the show tomorrow to talk about uh, the vaccination and other issues as well. And Coco, are you on the line? Coco? Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Now, why don't you tell everybody about yourself real quick, and we'll move on. Right. Um, Well, my name's Coco. I'm a writer. I live and work in Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm on the show whenever I can, and um, I do have to head out in a little bit um, because, um, well, I got my vaccine three weeks ago. About three weeks ago, yeah. Um, I have not done well with it. Um, I have been like a mess with it. I definitely don't regret getting it, obviously, but man, um, my body's not reacting well to it at all. Um, I think the first, when I first got it, I was like, when the very first time I got it, I actually had pinched a nerve on my neck. So I was like, yeah. well, the, the shot on the arm is not going to make it, it's going to make it seem like not that big of a deal because of the pain on my neck. Well, I was very, very wrong. Um, You know, the first, it took about two and a half days for me to actually start getting symptoms. So it wasn't like right away. Um, But once I did, I couldn't move my arm for like three days. And I was in so much pain that they actually ended up putting me on muscle relaxers. Now I only had to take two of them because I started um, within the next like week or so, it was fine. 
Well, up until like a couple of days ago, um, my body just felt like so out of whack that I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. And like this morning, I went to I went to the bathroom and I looked down and where I have my vaccine shot, it is like high surrounding my shot. It looks pretty gnarly and pretty nasty. So um, I'm getting some blood work done. I'm actually getting a food allergy test done um, to see if it's something I'm eating. I think I know what it is. I think I may be allergic to dairy. Um, I'm hoping that's not the case. So, um, because that's going to, like, really suck. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of people – they say the second dosage is worse than the first. And I'm hoping yeah. that um, I experience the worst of it and that the second one is not going to be as bad. Yeah. But, but um, well, let, you know, let me ask you a question. Why would you need a second one? Because you've had the virus. And I've been it kind of, you know, No, and, because but, it wasn't a conclusive, it wasn't a conclusive positive on COVID. So it, it, it could have been, uh, a, it, it could have been a false positive. So they weren't really sure. Yeah. So that's why I'm getting my second dose. Um, All right, I'm just yeah. The reason I'm asking that because obviously, you know, right. Well, I think that they've been hospitalized for COVID, but considering that they know if I actually had it or not, um, yeah, that's why they were like, uh, "Well, you're you're gonna need your second dose." Um, hmm. But I will say I got my appointment pretty quickly, and the people, the woman was like super super nice. Although she did give me the shot pretty wrong apparently apparently you're supposed to get it on the muscle and basically she gave it to me on the flesh of my arm not the muscle of my area so um that's probably why i was also in a lot of pain i mean tom have i told you yeah it took me about like 35 minutes to be able to like take like an article of clothing off because i was in so Mm. much freaking pain i i couldn't move my arm physically for a couple days yeah i had I was just like how bad it was. I was on a muscle relaxer plus 12 or like two 600 milligram ibuprofen every day. Yeah. Like three times a day. (laughs) That's how bad it was. It was pretty gnarly. I was like, oh my God, I hate this. I mean, obviously it's better than getting COVID, but I was just like, I didn't realize it was going to be that painful. So I did not yeah. react well at all to it. Well, and then my boyfriend got the you... shot. My boyfriend got yeah. his shot, same dope, Moderna, and he was fine, except he got, like, he got a little chilly, I guess. Like, the yeah. couple, last couple, like, two days later, he got a little chilly, and that was it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I, said, I had the Pfizer. And, 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 well, my friend and, and got Pfizer think... today, by the way. Yeah, and I basically had a sore arm for about 24 hours the first one. I had a sore arm for about 24 hours the second one. And what I found is I went ahead and worked out, swam. And by the time on the second day, you know, I did my finish by swimming. Whatever soreness I had, it was like 90% gone. And uh, and so I, like I said, I didn't. And, and I've talked to her now. My wife, she got a sore arm the first mm-hmm. time, and she had – and uh, she had, like, a headache the next day, the second day, and she felt tired for a couple of days after that. Uh, but and now she's back to normal. And I think my daughter, after her second shot, and I don't know what brand she got, uh, you know, she kind of, like, had the COVID 
she had like flu-like symptoms for about 24 hours. On the second one, the first one, like me, she had like sore arms. So. Uh, yeah, when I say sore, I mean I I physically couldn't move it like at all. Yeah. Like I couldn't move yeah. it at all, and then I I developed a huge bump. And right now, yeah. like I'm staring at it right now in the mirror, Tom, and it's like a huge patch of red. And I'm like, it's been three well, weeks, dude. Huge patch of red. Saying, so it's. No, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You say you need to go to. Uh, yeah, you, you're seeing the doctor this afternoon, so you need to be telling him because yeah. this should not be there. Yeah, that's an allergic right. reaction. Yeah, so that shouldn't even right. be there. Yeah, so something right. would have messed with you. But then again, everything would have messed with you and this whole COVID thing because you it, got. It does. I, I still say you got. I'm so unlucky. I'm so unlucky yeah, when it comes to health. Say, I swear to God. Yeah, I would say. No, but you did. I mean, my view is you had COVID. I don't care what the chest said. I think you had, I did my, too. You I, had the question. I, 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 I mean, the only symptom you really didn't have was a loss of taste. But you had every other symptom. Right. And. And I just, you know, I, right. yeah, 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 I just but don't buy, I just, and that's fine. I mean, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I gotta tell you though, who, um, we had a bunch of Trump rallies over the weekend where I live because of that restaurant. Remember that I told you about that restaurant who refused to close down? Yeah. Well, they got in some really hot water. Because the city boarded their restaurant up and they unboarded it and started opening it up again. So this is a, and so you find some really interesting things. I guess I guess the owner of Tin Horn Flats uh, ended up lawyering up basically until they got rid of basically every single social media because basically all their posts were incredibly incriminating to mm-hmm. them. And uh, they had this huge rally, and it was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, these were like – it was QAnon. It wasn't even Trump. It was just QAnon. It was like a QAnon rally down the street for me. And I was like, oh, Tom, it took so much restraint not to, like, beat the crap out of anybody. <laughs> I was just like, go yeah. away. Go well, away. Hold on and to apparently, that, yeah. 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 Hold on, that. Yeah, hold on, that because it's Tom Donaldson with uh, Coco Kasky here on the Donaldson Files. Uh, Dr. Larry is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour uh, here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse. Go, guys. Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? <laughs> of course, I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wow, Jinx. (laughs) Did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, Pretty obvious. Yeah, Yeah. so obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all 
No. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, welcome back to the Dawson Files. Tom Dawson with Coco Cocci. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a sponsor of the Donaldson Files Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, here's what you need to do. You need to email labachelor40 at gmail.com. And we will have a rough you about being a sponsor of the show. You're going to ask yourself, you know, what's a sponsor like? Well, here's what a sponsor is. You get three ads. You also get one mention where Coco and I will say what a great product you have or a great company you are. And at the beginning of the show, we're going to say this hour is sponsored by and put on the blank. So you're going to get, and then at the end of the show, we'll say thank you very much to our sponsor or sponsors. And so you're going to get six mentions in the course of an hour. And don't forget on our website, we repeat the shows. There are podcasts, and your and your ads will continue to be ad, continue to be aired, as people come back and listen to it at their convenience. So great bargain, great deal, great prices uh, for an audience that's basically perfect for what it is you're going to sell. Uh, guarantee. So give us a so send us an email, labachelor40 at gmail dot com. All right. Now, okay, so basically you got uh, people protesting uh, the restaurant, which you – uh, Well, no, bit. they're not protesting the restaurant. They're protesting for the restaurant. It, it's oh, a for, okay. dumb. And it's right. like I, – I, I just find out, you know, that the owner is basically this millionaire who, got, who keeps getting his restaurant shut down because, you know, he went through so many violations. Um, operating without a liquor license, you know, just this list goes on. And then to find out that the pe- the person operating his restaurant is his 20-year-old son. I mean, he's operating this, this restaurant with liquor and everything, and he's not even able, old enough to drink. So, you know, it's just like all this crap comes out. And um, a lot of death threats. A lot of his supporters have been posting death threats to a bunch of us and, you know, people who oppose his restaurant. Um, so yeah, it's fun. It's great. So we got some tune on people in our area. <laughs> all right, so, okay, well, so that yeah, wish you luck. Yeah. All right, so uh, all right. Uh, okay, so basically you're going to be uh, now. You now you also had dehydration. What's the other issue? Yeah, you, you had some dehydration for a while too, right? Oh yeah, I God, you can sound like I'm such a mess. <laughs> Well, that's because yeah, that's because, I mean, well, because that happens. <laughs> it is, it is. I totally am a mess. Um, I feel like that happens a lot to me when I don't drink water, and um, there was a time where I was just drinking nothing but water. Like when I, I I was drinking like maybe six or seven, like bottles of my 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 bottles of water a day, and then that week after I got my my shot. Um, I was just drinking coffee and diet soda. 
So for like three or four days, I had ingested zero water. Mm. So I'm thinking that may well, be a reason I got dehydrated, right, Tom? That would be a yeah, that would be a good clip. That'd be a good. That'd be good. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's be... hard when you like. So I have to force myself to drink water. So that's what I did. And then you're gonna get a kick out of this. This is hilarious. So I ended up getting Pedialyte, right? Yeah. And the powdered Pedialyte. And then I ended up having like a sugar crash because this these stupid packets of Pedialyte powder contain like 16 grams of sugar. And I'm a person who honestly never drinks or eats sugar. Like I just don't eat it. And so I'm like, why am I crashing so much? And I finally looked at the box. Tom, I was drinking like four or five of these a day. And each mm. packet contains like 16 grams of sugar. I was like, wow, that, I yeah. was like, it's a lot, right? For a Pedialyte? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's like eight grams of sugar plus an additional like 10 grams of sugar. So it's like this is like 18 grams of sugar. And I was drinking four or five of these a day wondering why am I crashing? Why do I feel like I'm on a sugar crash? Well, duh, it's because I was drinking basically sugar. So if you're sensitive yeah. to sugar, don't drink Pedialyte because that will yeah. mess you up. It messed me up completely. I mean, it was to the point where it was like, I almost felt like diabetic, you know, where it was just like, you just feel so sick. Yeah. It, it was just like, no, it's not, yeah. it's been not have been a good month for me. No, yeah, that, that's what not. Uh, how's your job doing? Well, real quick while you're at it. How's my what? Your job. My job. My you, job's you, good. Oh, okay. It's yeah. going good. It's right, going good. Well. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's like this, this whole month since March, it's been such a uh, just just a kind of train wreck for me, wise and just emotional. And yeah. It's like, you know, I I feel like I feel like the whole month of March was just like all my emotions all in one with my health yeah. and trying not to like let it get to me, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Well, I, yeah. Like you say, uh, I mean, yeah. Now we got a lot of things. Like I say, we're going to talk to. You know, Dr. Larry, at the end of the hour, like I say, he's coming on to uh, kind of take over the co-host job that as you go to the doctors, uh, which will be, you got what, yes. about two minutes left? I yeah. literally have so, like two minutes left. Yeah, two minutes left. So was there anything in the news you want to talk about that, that hits your mind other than the local restaurants? Um, well, the owner of Tin Horn Flask got arrested, so that made me happy. So which um, one is that? The owner of Tinhorn Flats, the restaurant up in Burbank. I mean, it's such a circus. It's basically, Tom, the entire city versus this restaurant. That's what it comes down to. Mm. And the fact that, you know, there, there, there are people who are in Burbank where you have to have a permit to even have a garage sale. And this guy has violated as many violations as one possibly can have. And he still remains open. And, um, you know, I think they should jail him. I honestly do. You know, during those times where, you know, he broke the law when he was serving people indoors and all that, and not just that, but, you know, he got red taped, he got lost, he broke the law, continued serving people. They boarded them up, he unboarded it, and then they're finally now arresting him. So, Mm. um, you know, I feel like people like that, you know, I mean, well, this guy's a millionaire. He doesn't need the money. 
Well, well, yeah. well here, let me answer this question, though. Because is California, is, do, they, do they have indoor dining yet? Where you live? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But my, the whole point about this was that during the time when, when everything was on lockdown, he was doing indoor dining. There's no outdoor dining yeah. over there. Yeah. And he was serving without a liquor license. He was serving without electricity. He failed the health codes. It's like the worst possible. Every violation you thought yeah. of, he broke. It's not a small violation. It's like a big, big, major one, you know? Mm-hmm. I was just trying to care. And, he's because, like, and, 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 the fa- and the fa- and also the fact that he's like threatening people's lives um, yeah. is just not a good look. So that's absolutely yeah. That's certainly you don't need to do that. Uh, I was just kind of curious. Oh no, where... he, he, he's threatened. He's threatened to kill the city councilman uh, a bunch of times. Oh. Oh really? Well, that uh, that's uh, that that that's, that's yeah, why but... that's why he actually deleted his uh, social media because they actually what? found screenshots of him like telling people to go kill the city councilman. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Him. That against is that against the law? <laughs> yeah, They're I, I, I assume so. I, yeah, I'm no, I just so. say that. Yeah, you know, somewhere along the line, I have to assume that's against the yeah. law. I mean, this, this is, I mean, this I, is I, what I, I talk about when I talk about how ridiculous this person is and how they should absolutely yeah, be shut down. Yeah. Because well, it's just yeah, I mean, yeah. at this point. Well, see, here's the thing. Like I said, in Iowa, we, like I said, we've been able. To, I've been able to do about eighty-five percent or ninety percent what I can do before the pandemic. Well, uh, yeah, you know, but we that's have, fine. But that, that, that's, that's, but that wasn't the law yeah. back here. Yeah, yeah, no, I know at what you mean. Time. At the time, yeah. So it's. Because I, you know, and, and you know, basically we've done well enough. It's one of those things where I don't, right. you know, as I say, uh, you know, and you know, I have not been out there restaurants since the mask mandates have been removed, but I've been told that they've done to fill up a little bit more than what they used to. And uh, it, it's going to be kind of interesting to see where we go from here. I, my own view is, and we'll talk to Kevin Roach tomorrow. He's, he's one of these interesting fellows because he has a what's that called a hefty healthy skeptic and this guy I mean every day he's got new studies, new data, new this, new that and uh but yeah, this, this guy this guy let me just say this guy is yeah. like yeah. he's just a real piece of work. That's what I can say. Yeah. So yeah. And now you're now how your your boyfriend now are you guys open where are you in the process of vaccinations because in Iowa we're pretty much everybody now. I mean they've got through, you know it's kind of like open up to. Well, everybody. I'm getting my second. I'm getting. He's getting his second dose on the 27th. I'm getting mine on the 22nd, and then we're pretty much done. Um, I, I'm still not really going anywhere until I get like my second shot. I mean I still go. Out, yeah. I'm like I won't be doing indoor dining for a long time. I think. I mean I have no problem going outdoor dining. Like to me that's not a big deal. I feel safer doing that. But if it's too big of a crowd, like, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. That's yeah. just my preference. Of course, you know, the thing is, in L.A., you could do that a lot more easier because you guys got a lot better weather than we do in Iowa. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> I mean, because in Iowa, outdoor dining means, uh, uh, you, know, you know, 20 degrees. Well, outdoor dining for us no. is like 70, <laughs> 75 degrees. I have no problem with outdoor dining because it's like 75 degrees, you know? Yeah, no, I was going to say, it's uh, – it's different. You know, easy. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely different. Yeah, uh, and I know it's that. It's not like it's not uh, it's not like thirty degrees. It's like you know seventy five, eighty degrees. Yeah, fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I say each state do things differently, and and I, 
you know, to me, I think the worst aspect of it is on the, we're on the downside. You're going to see these flashes of surges here, surges there. But, I think, you know, we're at that downside poke of the, the equation, in my view. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be asked to see what Kevin Roach's data tells him uh, uh, tomorrow. He'll be kind of interesting because, you know, there's been a really debate. There's a guy named Alex Berenstein, who I like. I really like this guy. He does, he got, does data work. But he's been, you know, on the vaccine, he's been a complete downer in the vaccine. And a lot of us you know, on the lockdown skeptical side are like, oh, dude. Uh, you know, you know, right. you, and, and Kevin Roach you know, wrote a kind of piece saying, you know, this guy missed the entire science. Because obviously, you know, people, you know, once you, it, it takes a while for the antibodies to hit. In other words, A, number one, you're going to get, in, you know, the reinfection aren't going to occur regardless. But the chances of getting reinfected are completely much lower than what they would be without the vaccine. And, uh, and those who tend to get it, you know, tend to have mild cases. And so right. basically, he's going to come on the air and talk about some of the most recent data. And uh, it's going to be kind of interesting. It's going to be an interesting conversation. So I'm not sure if – so right. am I saying goodbye? Am I saying goodbye to you right now or what? Yep. Yes. <laughs> Right. Yes, you are. Okay. But I, I will right. check back in with you guys and let you know how everything goes. Well, sounds good. Okay, this is Tom Donaldson, Coco Konski here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We'll... You might know me. I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back, back to the uh, Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, let's just say, if you want to be a sponsor of our show, this is what you need to do. Email lagmail.com, labachelor40 at gmail.com, and you can become a sponsor of the show. What does a sponsor do? Basically, you get three ads. You get to be listed as a sponsor at the beginning, at the end of the show, plus you'll get a mention of the show as well. So, so, it, so this is, you know, so this is a great deal. LABatcher40 at gmail.com and join us and become a sponsor of the Donaldson Files on Wednesday. You know what? Why don't you, you could even be a sponsor for one hour on the resistance hour with Dr. Larry and Tom, which I co-host. So you got three hours worth of shows. We'll contact you. We'll set you up with a deal that you can really love. And speaking of 
uh, the Resistance Hour, Dr. Larry. Dr. Larry, welcome. How are you doing? Just fine. I just well, fine. I'm glad huh? you... Okay. All right. Thank you very much for pitch hitting at the last minute. You know, Coco just left the scene, and now you are here. So. Well, I don't uh, think I could ever take her place, but uh, I'm glad to accommodate yeah. you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, too, yeah, she said the same thing, too. So, okay, here, yeah, uh, like I said, now, tomorrow night you know, on your show, you know, before we get into what we're going to talk about is that we have, you know, Bob Livingston is coming on your show tomorrow night. Right. Uh, and he's a good friend of yours. And, you know, for those, why don't you guys talk very briefly, you know, very given his background real quickly so people can get a, you know, about Bob Livingston. Well, he he was the um, chairman of the uh, budget committee for the last, uh, I guess, for eight years. Uh, yeah, I think it was approximately eight years uh, in the uh, United States uh, House of Representatives. <clears throat> and he and uh, he was really behind the uh, Republican coalition with uh, Bill Clinton and uh, in uh, balancing the United States budget, federal budget, for the first and only time in our lifetime, I think. And uh, then the, uh, but one of the things I think is he, <clears throat> most uh, uh, interesting is that he was the uh, first and in, in, in his first. Uh, he was appointed to Congress because of a uh, resignation of uh, of the, uh, uh, the 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 current representative of that district in uh, Louisiana, and he got about three percent of the black vote. And uh, by the time that he got uh, he finished, he had ninety-seven percent of the black vote, and he's a Republican, a conservative Republican. So those people that say that it can't be done uh, should uh, have a talk with uh, Bob Livingston. I asked him one time, how did you do that, Bob? What what did you do uh, differently than anybody else? And he said, I don't know what anybody else is doing, but what I did is I learned how to listen. And I think that's really a very key lesson for any candidate for, for office. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, like I say because uh, you know it's you know, uh, you know I say I'm, I'm reminded of the old story of Haley Barber, the uh, you know, former governor of Mississippi, when somebody you know, he had like a I think like twenty or thirty percent one election cycle, one of his last election cycle, and so and you know and somebody asked him, how did you do that? He said, well, I asked him to vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it, the other it, side it, of it. That's the other side, because it's absolutely easier. So, it's easier to get a, a positive answer to that if you've already listened to what the what people really yeah. want. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, that, there are two stories that we talk about. We're going to talk about the Georgia election laws and you know, you know where we go from there. And we're going. To, and I thought uh, I don't know if you caught the the sixty minutes because it kind of details the media bias. But huh. you know they try to do a hit job of Ron DeSantis. Uh, yeah, 60 it, 
Yeah, and it's fascinating the way they attempted to do it because they basically, you know, you know, I kind of told people, I said, you know, the one thing about Ron DeSantis, if he wins his re-election next year, and, you know, he is going to be the most vetted Republican we are ever going to see in our lifetime by the media. Because literally, they, you know, every day there's some attempt to go after Ron DeSantis from the mainstream media. You know, they always have been trying to go after this guy, almost from last year during the uh, – pandemic and and i and it just seems like unless and it just seems that you know every time they do this it's kind of a hit job they make the guy more powerful in a way because it's like a clink of the armor that's gone you know you you know you go after an argument and the argument fails well that's one less thing you can't use against the guy down the road that's the old saying you know the old saying you know and i just think quite frankly you know they will bet this guy to a you know, he will go through the anal exam of anal exams of any candidate. And if he passes, they've got, they have no bullets left going into 2024 when he runs for office. Uh, well, he's, he's got a lot going for him, too. Uh, you know, he's, yeah. he's uh, handsome. He's uh, very articulate, very intelligent, yeah. very personable. And not only that, but he is... Uh, the successful governor of what one of the top five <clears throat> biggest states in the union, and they just can't stand that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's go with the CBS story. What the CBS did is they basically edited. A press conference he did. There was like a reporter in Florida that they brought in to do the story about him. And the old contention was that, you know, Publix, the pharmacy, you know, the chain pharmacy chains uh, donated money and they got a benefit from being, let's say, the uh, pharmacy to hand out the virus, to hand that out. And the implication was it was a pay-to-play scheme. Right. And the problem, the interesting thing, so they edit this press conference that he did to make it sound like pay, that he did pay for play. When you read the entire script, it is basically the complete opposite. He he, he goes by the decision-making process, what they did. And interesting enough, Publix was not the first pharmacy that got the vaccine. It was CBS and Walgreens. And and his and one of the things he did, he said, "What well, look, is that he went after the senior citizens first, you know, even beyond the health care. He said they're the most vulnerable. This is the most logical. This is what you know the experts I depend on are telling me to do." And so CBS and Walgreens went after them. I mean, that's what their first job was to provide vaccines for the nursing homes. Then they decided to expand out to you know, to you know beyond that to the nurse beyond the nursing homes and. They picked Publix, and then one of the things he did, he went to like the local these communities and counties and said, okay, you know, what would you suggest? And, and one of the things suggested with Publix is that Publix Pharmacy essentially is probably must be the number one pharmacy in Florida because there are places in Florida where basically the way they found it was you know, senior citizens on the average live about 10 minutes away from the nearest Publix. So it was the easy, accessible, you know, to get those who are not nursing homes uh, to go to the pharmacy 
And like I say, Walgreens, CBS has already stated, hey, we we got more we can handle over here with the nursing homes. And they basically, and of course, what he did was in effect do what you know one would say the science would tell you to do: to go after the most vulnerable, um, go after the most vulnerable, and. And he did this in really way in spite of CDC because the CDC was saying, you know, go with the health workers first, and his attitude was do the complete opposite. And right it was now, right out in the open too. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't exactly. he wasn't hiding behind, uh, you know, the big curtain that uh, that Biden hides behind. Yeah, yeah, and that was the thing. But and, and, and like I say, and so basically, and I think this is to me why. He's become a target, and we're going to you know, we're, I'm going to delve into this a little bit more because I think it's important for Republicans to understand what it is Ron DeSantis actually, in my view, did. But I'll go back to like I say, uh, and so the whole story. I mean, again, I mean, sixty, and the kicker in all of this is that a Democrat mayor, I think, the mayor, came out and said, you know what? Yeah. You know, Ron DeSantis did the right thing, and I was one of the people they contacted. And he made it clear that 60 Minutes would not talk to him. They would not talk to him. And uh, well, he's certainly, you know, he's certainly one of the leaders of of the uh, next generation of Republican uh, uh, stars. Yeah. Uh, right now, he's maybe the, the top one because he's a governor rather than a senator. And uh, I think they're trying to take him out before they before he can go any yeah. further. Well, that's my point. And this is a, and so far every attempt they've done is been backfiring. Like the sixty minute story has been, it's I mean it's almost like I mean it's they do this they do this press conference right on sixty minutes which they edit. Well, the unedited version has come out, and it's the complete opposite. So that doesn't make it look good. You got this Democrat coming out of the out of the woodwork, say, hey, wait a minute. I was one of the people he contacted dealing with this pharmacy. We know now that the you know that it was the third pharmacy actually selected to pass out the vaccine. It was not the first one. It was the third one. And and now they're criticizing him for you know doing the scene. I mean they actually in effect were criticizing him for doing what the science said to do. Go with the most vulnerable uh, you know, the senior citizens, and in, in the case of people should know in Florida, you know, there's a whole lot of senior citizens that live in Florida, and at this point, 75% have been vaccinated, and I think 65% has gotten the second dose. And so, uh, it's, their, their death rate, I think, is the one of the lowest in the nation. Well, I wouldn't say it's one of the lowest, but it's certainly when you look at states of comparable size, it's certainly one of the lowest. But states of com- of that na- of comparable, yeah, if you look at the top most popular, yeah, if you look at the the eighth most populous state on a per capita basis, it's like number two behind California. But you know, as I stated on this show numerous times, you know, California has a younger population. When you put that variable of age, you know, what advantage California has disappears. And he's gotten the unemployment down under the 4.7. Uh, so it's and so he's basically done two things at the same time. And certainly 
when you contrast that to Andrew the Granny Killer Kumo, which we'll kind of talk about here in a, uh, in a couple of, you know, after the break, you know, he says, because remember, you know, Kumo was the man everybody said would be the new hero. You know, was the guy who was doing it all. He was doing it the right way. Well, we'll see. We'll talk real about, about that, and we'll go a little bit more details of, uh, here on the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network. Yeah. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for media flu. media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Yes, and also, ladies and gentlemen, since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. And if you want to become a sponsor of the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network, here's what you do. LABachelor40 at gmail.com. And let me spell bachelor for you. B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R. L-A-40 at gmail.com. And we will get somebody to talk to you. Email us. We will provide you with a sales rep to talk to you about the you know, prices and where you want to go with the with your ads. But if you could be a sponsor of the show, here's what you get. Three ads. You get listed as a sponsor at the beginning and at the end of the show. And uh, myself and my co-host, Coco Konski, will say wonderful, nice things. We'll get one extra mention. So you're basically going to get six extra mentions. And I forgot to tell this on the previous uh, show. I'm going to add this as well, is that we will also bring you, interview you about your product. So you can talk about your product, you can talk about what you're selling, you can talk about your company, and, and once a month you're going to get a segment just devoted to what you guys do. The beauty of this is is that these ads will continue because we have a part. We have the BassfordNewsRadioNetwork.com. We have the Donaldson Files. All you got to do is click on Donaldson Files. We have literally you can just – and. And then our various replays, it will be there available to you. This is so. What can I say? Great bargain, great deal. Give us a call, advertise, be a sponsor of the Bachelor News Radio Network. Okay. All right. Now, here's my theory of Ron DeSantis. You know, you know, obviously, as you stated, they're trying to knock him out. The other thing that you know popped in my mind, you know, when I'm, you know, when I look at this guy, is that he basically, it, he basically has embarrassed, in my view, a good portion of the Washington scientific class. And what people have to understand about Ron DeSantis, you know, his what he did 
was based on science. One of the things he did is he would have meetings with some of the top public health scientists like Scott Adler, like uh, Jay Bugatti, like Martin Kuhlendorf, Michael Levent, a Nobel Prize winning. And he brought them in and said, look, what do you think of what's what's going down? What do you think of the lockdown? What's your data? And these are people who became lockdown skeptics. And they basically said, here's what we would advise you to do. So he went to science outside of what I call the Washington scientific class. And they basically proved the Tony Fauci advice to be totally wrong. That was the first thing. And when he did his vaccination, you know, he basically, you know, hey, it, and again, Jay Baghetti and others advised him, you go for the senior citizens first. Get the most vulnerable. That's your number one target when the vaccine comes out, which was not necessarily what the CDC recommended. The CDC also put in various other groups, including public health officials. And in his case, he just simply said, let's just, and so he basically did the complete opposite. And at this point, he's demonstrated that they were totally wrong on a good portion of their advice. And I think that's another aspect that comes into play. He basically demonstrated that maybe the science we were told last August and May was not the complete picture. That's my thought. What do you think? Well, I think another factor is that he did very little in the uh, lockdown side of things. And uh, that was, it still is definitely uh, against well, the timing here is is, is really interesting in, in terms of the uh, of, of the story of this pandemic reaction, and that is it was initially uh, a, a Trump uh, discovery and reaction and and action banning uh, overseas travel, and particularly from uh, China and then from Europe and so on. And then somewhere along the line, when he started getting the uh, governors involved, it gradually turned into a big, a big state um, situation, and and uh, that was all Democrats. And the Democrats decided to take this over and uh, use it as a lever of uh, a power. Uh, power not just in in terms of taxation and so on government but also in terms of human human liberty and human life and they really they really uh, emphasize and still do this uh lockdown idea and uh, the uh, sort of uh diminishing the importance of the economy and then um the uh when that by the time that was starting to get into full swing, uh, Trump had already pivoted to the open. The open. Let's let's keep the get the economy open. He realized that that was a dead. That was a, uh, a shot of uh, morphine or a shot of, of poison to the American economy and therefore the American primacy in the world. So he. By May first last year, he was completely uh, he was doing these his big uh, huge uh, 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 
agreement, his, his speeches with all these uh, with all the these big crowds, and uh, and then he was he started being uh, criticized not only for that but for that in the context of the pandemic. In the meantime, um, Mr. DeSantis as a as a uh, governor of one of the oldest states, I guess probably the oldest and, and certainly one of the biggest, uh, he he was turning away from that, and he basically, uh, somewhat gradually, but very uh, very aggressively, uh, limited this uh, lockdown idea, so that by last summer they were they were back in business. And and of course that made him an un, uh, 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 absolute enemy of the uh, of the new Democrat doctrine of lockdown and control people. So I think it's it's a complicated picture in one way, but it's also fairly simple when you realize that that the uh, Democrats took over the the lockdown and the abandonment of the uh, economic activity as really as dogma, as something, dogma meaning something that you uh, believe even if you can't prove it. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I say, and it, it goes back to the point, because obviously, you know, to me, this is just another demonstration of media bias toward Republicans. And it's getting to a point where these people are not even – you know, there there's a cease where they're not even hiding it, but it's you know I find this whole thing, you know, in the sense that so far every bullet they've thrown at them, everything they've thrown it seems to be missing. And I keep like as I say I keep you know, you know my theory is always going to be, you know you're going to you know he's going to be the most vetted candidate we're ever going to have coming out. I mean they're literally. I mean, you name it, they've been going after him for now a year and a half. And he has survived. And he seems sort to be Sort of the strong. opposite of Trump, who kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he, but, you know, the, I mean if he runs in 2024, and like I say, if he wins the re-election and goes running in 2024, it's going to be interesting because, as I stated, everything you could, you know, we are going to know about this guy, we're going to know. And if he survives all this, there's not going to be any bullets left for them to shoot at him with. So, all right. Now, the other thing I want to kind of – I don't know. What's your – have you been following the Georgia election laws, and what's your view? Well, my view is that it's it's a pretty common sense uh, uh, yeah. piece of legislation, which we should have had last summer, if not last uh, decade. Namely, that you have to, if you have to, if, can, if you have to present your identification to cash a check, it seems like you ought to not be af- afraid of uh, proving your identity as an American de- voter. And of course, that all ties in with uh, the idea that Democrats have that if they can increase the uh, poor people and the the minority population, now particularly the Hispanics, uh, then uh, they'll stay in power for the rest of the, the rest of the time. They they have a good they have a good 
they have a good start because they do control the two biggest states in the union, which uh, gives them a lot of electoral power. But anyway, that that's the that's the first and biggest thing I think. But what they're what they're taking aim at are simple simple things. Um, I was listening to a uh, interview of uh, Governor Kemp. Uh, this, uh, I think it was just today or yesterday, and uh, they were saying, well, what about this idea of water and food being uh, banned from the uh, the uh, lines of uh, voters who are waiting to to vote? He said, he said, well, it, the, 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 on the surface, it's uh, it's a uh, restriction against uh, politicking. Uh, two people in the uh, in the line uh, for things that uh, that they're starting to really want badly, like after a four or five hour wait in line on their feet. You know, they want they want food and they want water, and and uh, he said that's become quite a recruitment uh, voter recruitment uh, place or practice in in uh, Georgia. But he said the biggest problem. Is really why are there why are there lines in the first place? The only place there really those long lines are in the places in the minority communities, and those minority communities in general are uh, controlled by the by their Democrats, even locally, mm-hmm. and yeah. that that's well, really yeah. what that, that whole thing is well, about. Well, let me throw the, I'm going to tell you even a second because I do politics for a little bit, and one of the most states have rules of what they will have against politicking around the ballot box, around the polls. And, for example, some states will have X number of yards. you got to be X number of feet away from the polls, I mean, from the polling place. And others, you just can't do it at all. And what was happening, too, and the thing is, what they were really, what's really happening, like I said, you can bring food, you can bring water, you can bring whatever you want to bring in line. What they were looking at is that you had people providing this, quote-unquote providing this, were political operatives, in effect, politics. You know, you know, what they're saying, in effect, is that hey, you can bring food, you can bring water. What we don't want to happen is having people bringing food and water with a Biden T-shirt, with a Trump T-shirt, with, you know, put out your uh, favorite candidate T-shirt. And uh, because that's, a lot of states have rules against that. I don't know what say, Virginia. I know in Iowa, you know, you're not allowed to have any politics. You know, no literature handout, no nothing. Period. And. But what? How long are the lines in in Iowa? Well, I mean, not they're you know again you're you know, they're not that. I mean, I've never waited that long yet in an election, but you're absolutely correct in the sense that. Uh, you know, certainly in the 2020, the entire goal was to encourage, you know, Democrats to vote by mail. The worse you made the poll, the longer you made the line, uh, the more likely they were going to vote. And you're absolutely correct. A lot of these are areas controlled by the Democrats, which I never seem to figure out, you know, if the entire premise is, you know, you want to shorten the lines, well, you know, I would sit back and make a compromise and say, let's, you know, let's put money into finding new polling places and have more of them. 
not less of them. And you're you're right, and you know somewhere along the line, those local officials got to be held accountable, and they never are. Well, maybe they're starting to. You know, they yeah. uh, the bigger there have been bigger swings of uh, black votes in the uh, recent elections to the for the uh, Republicans than ever before, except for Bob Livingston. Yeah. <laughs> and you know another well, one, Jack Kemp. Go ahead. Jack Kemp was another, uh, he did very well in the black communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He did very well in Buffalo in particular. And people have to remember, he was in a blue-collar area. He was a, you know, Buffalo, the district he represented was heavily union, heavily blue-collar. So, I mean, he, so he basically was not running in traditional Republican areas. Uh, and, and a lot of his game plan was designed specifically around that. So... Uh, but uh, but he also had spent a whole career uh, in close contact with a lot of uh, black players, and he knew he yeah. knew how to talk to them and how to listen to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's another thing. I mean, and it comes down to as I stated. I mean, I look at the Georgia law. To me, it is one of those laws where you almost have a compromise, uh, curbside voting. You got expanded hours on the weekends. Uh, you got more access. Access. You got 17 days uh, you know, to vote, which ought to be plenty of time. And it's, it's actually more than blue states like New Jersey or Colorado, where they now are going to be placing the Major League Baseball All Star Game. And and on the other side of the equation is uh, the Republicans got uh, two things. They got ID for absentee ballot, which, by the way, is common practice in countries in Europe, with the exception of those countries that don't allow absentee ballots, which is about the majority of them. And and they basically got, okay, there's going to be a deadline, you know, when everything has to be in, because we want to have everything counted on the day of election and not have ballots coming in. So it was to me, it was a compromise. It, it certainly is not being treated that way, but certainly about as much of a compromise because uh, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, and the other aspect I think is nice is they're trying to encourage more people to vote in person. So the 17 days, the expanded weekend coverage is in effect encouraging people to do what they should do, vote in person. Uh, you got any uh, last words, and then we're going to say goodnight. Well, I, I think that the biggest issue that we're facing right now uh, was addressed by uh, Mitch McConnell this, this morning when uh, he talked about uh, uh, warning uh, corporate America to stay out of politics. But, of course, that's being spun immediately. It says he warns corporate America to stay out of politics, but says that donations are okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's well. That they know well, how to take say. him down, but I still think he's on to something. I think that this yeah. this uh, conflict yeah. of ideology yeah. is fundamental. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off right here. I'm going to say, let me cut you off here. I'm going to say goodnight because it's that time. We're there. This is Tom Donaldson here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Hey, we want to welcome everyone to You and the Law podcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Hopefully, everyone is having a, a great uh, a great day, and uh, we thank you for, as always, tuning in to listen to one of the hottest uh, law enforcement podcast shows in podcasting. And uh, but without further ado, I need to introduce uh, my co-host. Uh, to the show, and we, we're going to have a guest on, and uh, she's been on our podcast show before, so we're definitely looking forward to bringing her on and having her a part of this conversation, but Chief Swag, brother, how you doing over there, man? I'm good, bro. You know why it's, so, you know why it's such such a hot show? Yeah. You know hey, why? tell me. Why? Because the Swag Master is on here. That's what it is, man. It's, 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 you know, the swag master. Hey, but you know swag. what? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I will, I'll tell you this, Virgil. I, I am really impressed with the, um, the layout of the trial in Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those, yeah. uh, those, 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 uh, officers and supervisors are basically, um, they're telling the truth. You know, they're telling the truth. They don't want. They don't want any part of that. And the other thing is, man, I, I really think that, you know, this proves. Well, let me just say this. Let's wait and see what the outcome is, because I was gonna, I was gonna say that this could be a major. If it, if the outcome, uh, of um, guilty comes out, this could be a major shift in the relationship between law enforcement and communities of color in a positive way. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and hopefully, as you know, I mean, it's left up to the jurors to decide that. But like you said, Keith, there, the the prosecution has definitely put together a very uh, good case to present to the jurors and to people that are that are watching. And one good thing I like to say, this is real. This is one of the, probably the first time we've seen a trial like this here uh, involving a police officer. Uh, and, and I don't even think go, go, going back to the Rodney King, you know, some 30 some years ago, if, if that was televised in this, in this format that they have, uh, they're showing this here, but, um, you know, it's real, you know, I'll say this before we, you know, uh, bring on our guests, but, you know, the, the defense attorney, yeah, he, he is doing what, the fraternal order police is paying him to do him and his firm. You know, they're putting over a million dollars in legal, uh, uh, you know, uh, funds to defend this office, this former officer. But one of the things Keith is that he is really sticking on to this, the crowd, that the crowd in some kind of way played a role in why, uh, he didn't get off the neck of George Floyd, and it played a role in how the officers handled that scene. And that's, you know, I was really for the uh, first witness, that one of the first witnesses they had on who made a comment that you're not going to make me look like I'm an angry black man. Uh, the, the bystander who you could hear repeatedly asking them to get off of George Floyd's neck. Uh, it was good that that young man made that point. You're not going to make me look like an angry uh, black man. Yeah, man, I tell you, and I don't, you know, I, I know we've got a guest on the line, but I just, I just wanted to say that. I mean, in the first place, we shouldn't even have it. 
that trial shouldn't even have to exist. The uh, escalation and emotional intelligence and uh, just doing the right thing, uh, that's all it took for uh, this, uh, this person to get off, you know, not to, not to do that. And, of course, the crowd is going to be um, – you're going to incite the crowd based on the fact that they're sitting here watching a, a gentleman die right in front of their, their, their faces. And they're telling you, I mean, even from medical professionals are telling you, hey, he's get up, he's he's dying, he can't breathe, mm-hmm. and you're you're ignoring it. So, yeah. Anyway, I, but I just want yeah. to say I'm, I found I found this trial very uh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, very very well put together. So, Keith, uh, man, let's let's bring on our our special guest, man. And you know, we've we've had her on our podcast show before. Uh, she's uh, an amazing uh, female law enforcement officer in in burnt out of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, Miss Janae Jackson, how you doing, ma'am? I'm doing well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me back again. Yeah, well, we we definitely wanted to get you back on because you're doing a lot of uh, amazing things around Birmingham and outside of Birmingham with with the youth in your community and, and you're touching so many different lives, you know, whether it's the youth or parents. So, you know, I've been keeping up with you on social media. So uh, Keith, this young lady is, since we had her on the show, she has, she's doing a lot of amazing things and uh, she's going to continue that. So, but we wanted to get you back on the show to have this uh, important conversation about, you know, the black voices in law enforcement, you know, uh, you, you talk to a lot of people in law enforcement and we just wanted to, to get a woman's uh, perspective in law enforcement. What, what do you see, you know, how, how we are interacting with each other and how we're talking about things or have we been silent? So that's something we're going to talk about with you over the course of the show, but uh, I'm just glad to have you back on. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so do you have any opinions about the uh, they've been keeping up with the George Floyd uh, trial? Let, let, let me tell you this. I can't watch it. I will not watch it. Um, for okay. me, um, I do know, because I know how hard uh, Trayvon Martin case was on me and I kept up with it. I watched it and I can remember when the verdict came out. I was actually in, in Chattanooga. I went on a little weekend trip. I was in Tennessee when the verdict came and I, you know, I can't watch it. All I can say is that I hope that the, the rightness of what's supposed to be done is done because this mm-hmm. case, this trial, is a major milestone for what this country and where this country is about to go. We're either going to go six to seven years back, or now we're going to stand for what is right, and we're going to move forward and things get better. It's going to be either A or B. There's no in-between. There is no gray. I just hope justice is served. Exactly. And I think, you know, that that is something that a lot of people, especially in the black community, are probably concerned about is that, you know, that that one juror who may may not see what the other, you know, 11 jurors are are seeing 
and some kind of way this this verdict comes out uh not the way where we all think that it it should be so um you know but and you, uh, my so, concern is i think it's either five or six and i you know i read the headlines and i may read an article too but it's four sitting watching that kid but the five women or six women that's on the jury that's my concern yeah it's a concern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well you know hey uh we're getting ready to come up on our uh, on our first break but uh you know we want to remind our listeners that you know the calling number to the show is 646-929-0130 it's 646-929-0130 but keith uh janae we're going to take this uh break and uh once we come out of the break we're getting to our topic of the Black Voices of Men and Women in Policing. So, But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you're an African-American man, you need to know about oral cancer. Oral cancer is more common in African-American men than in any other group in the U.S. If you have a sore or lump in your mouth that doesn't go away after two weeks, see a doctor or a dentist. Most often, these symptoms don't mean cancer, but it's important to get them checked. If you do have oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network in WCOM and Chapel Hill and Carborough and LA Bachelor. Uh, if you have a question for Chief Keith Humphrey or uh, Virgil Green, hit us up at 646-929-0130. Um, and of course, the chat room is open if you want to hit us up online at blogtalkradio.com com forward slash la hyphen or minus sign bachelor uh and then of course the the chiefs have a facebook page that they'll talk about you can hit them up there with questions and comments there we will screen calls so if you you hear silence and and i come on and say do you have a question for the guests or the chiefs uh you're not on the air you can tell me yay or nay if you do you tell me the question, we'll put you on hold, we'll get you on with the Chiefs and uh, their guests as well. If you missed any part of the, the broadcast, go to the website, thebachelornewsradionetwork.com. Right there at the top of your labels in the uh, website, you'll see you and the law. You click on it, you can listen to this show and any of the shows uh, that they do. Uh, Chiefs, I, I want to kick it back to you guys. A, a couple of questions came in, first of which, uh, as we go through the fire, the, no pun intended with the song in the background, um, that uh, it, voices standing up have to always stand up. Um, it's one comment I got. You can't pick and choose when you stand up, uh, not just for the issues of policing, or law enforcement in a negative light and the bad apples, but all the time you can't if you can't pick and choose when you want to be a hero. Um, 
and I think the person is saying you have to look yourself in the mirror. Uh, so whether you're on this broadcast or you go on some other or you doing what you do, um, we can't hide behind any kind of wall, let, it lo- let alone the blue wall or black wall or anything else. We all have to look ourselves in the mirror. We all have to eat. But we all have to have some form of integrity, I think, is what the person was saying to you, to you guys, you great brothers mm-hmm. and, and this sister, um, doing the show. So I kick it back to you. All right. And, and, and thanks, L.A. Uh, and, and the caller is right, you know, and I think this is a topic that, you know, we chose to, to talk about. Uh, and this this isn't just a topic that we're going to talk about today and and never talk about it again, but because I think it's something that uh, really needs to be discussed in, in the uh, law enforcement community between black officers. Uh, Are we talking amongst ourselves about the things that, that we're seeing, you know, even going back to pre, you know, uh, uh, Rodney King uh, and everything that has happened since then, uh, people have asked me, where are the black police officers? Why aren't they coming out um, and, and saying things? And I know, you know, Keith, I know we have black law enforcement organizations that, that you and I are members of, or there's other black law enforcement organizations who do come out and, and, and they do make statements. But I think a uh, the majority of the public may not even know about those organizations and, and what they stand for, but I think they are asking the question of, I don't see black police officers in my community or outside of my community uh, talking about these things, uh, addressing how they feel about the things that we saw, even with George Floyd, you know, so that I think that's why this, this topic is really important and and also to have Ms. Jackson on uh, because, you know, we do have women in law enforcement and and oftentimes people forget that, you know, women uh, uh, voices in law enforcement are just as powerful as as a man. So, um, but, you know, hey, listeners, if you got any uh, questions or comments or would like to come on the air and, and, and talk to us about uh, what's on your mind, feel free to, to do so. But uh, Ms. Jackson, we want to jump back to you and uh, kind of uh, share with us before we get into this uh, hot topic, uh, some of the things that you have been doing in, in Birmingham. Well, I um, I actually started my own organization. Um, it's called Change Starts Within. Um, and if you remember when I went viral, it just came into me, and it, it came to me, and I, and I stated that change was here, that change was now. I really believe that in my heart, um, and, and it's, it's evident um, from from my video being used in training. Um, I had a guy that went to school with me all the way in Kansas, the only black officer in an academy class in Kansas, and they're showing my video in civil liability. Okay, and mm-hmm. racial profiling. So that's changes here. You know, and, and it just drove me. I had so many people reaching out to me. So many people say, you just inspire me in so many ways. You know, he, even in my own town, people, you know, 
coming up to me and saying, hey, I respect you as an officer. I have so many messages from people that says, you know, I don't mess with the police. I don't fool with them. I don't trust them. But you know what? You get all of my respect. So it just drove me because I feel like there has to be a bond. In order for things to get better, there there has to be a connection between between the community and law enforcement because that relationship exactly. is gone. You know, it's gone. And that's why I say that this trial, that this case is so important, you know, whether things are going to go left or whether they're going to go right, but it's definitely going to be a landmark case in where our country goes. But youth mentoring is, is my stronghold. I've always, even when I was on patrol, you know, when I went to those those calls, my child is out of control and things of that nature. The youth has always been a gift that God has given me, an ability to really re- reach youth. And so, therefore, I have I've, I've started my youth mentoring, um, you know, a program which is called the Shining Stars. I've got my police community development that's called I Will Stand for What Is Right. So I'm just I'm out here um, using what God has given me, using the platform that I have to try to make some things happen in a positive light. Good, good. T. Sway. What's going on? Hey, man, Young not lady. a whole lot, man. She's got a lot going Young, on. She does, and, and I will I will tell you that uh, I, was, I was thinking the other day about am I doing enough, you know, as a – black police chief as the head of a police department, am I doing enough? Could I do more? And and the answer is yes. I think the mm-hmm. minute you start, you believe, um, or that you don't even question your, if you're doing more, that's a problem. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I commend her. It, it seems like, you know, I want to know where'd you get all the energy uh, but, but let me say this: there, there are a lot, there are a lot, there are a lot of officers, uh, and especially African American officers, that have a lot of nonprofits and a lot of they do a lot of things behind the scene, and 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 I will tell you, as law enforcement, it is not easy for us to accept recognition. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about a young officer today that was he has a uh, foundation. And he collected 65 bikes for uh, the community, and and those are things that he and he didn't want any he didn't want any type of uh, uh, publicity for it. But but there's a lot of good things that young officers are doing. Not just young officers, officers period are doing, but it gets overshadowed by things like Minneapolis and Kenosha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, Keith, one of the things that that, you know, I think about is that, you know, the black officers, men and women who came before us, the all the the struggles that they had to go through just to uh, become a police officer and how they were treated uh, by white officers and supervisors. And so the other side uh, does not – understand what African-Americans have went through to uh, be in this profession. And, you know, I was just recently reading an article about uh, the black police officers in Tampa who 
sued the agency for discrimination and all the things that they had to go through, you know, uh, finding nooses hung in their lockers and all of the racial slurs. And this is coming from within their, from their peers. And so those are things that, you know, we have these conversations amongst each other, but are we really having these conversations out within our communities, especially about things such as the George Floyd incident, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, and people will – I'm going to ask you this question, Ms. Ms. Jackson. Perceive that if you are – if you speak out against something, then you're not part – you're not really one of us because when you, your video went viral and it was just your emotions came out and, and everything uh, with that, but did you catch any, any – uh, negative feedback <laughs> from that because I know you probably did because again you're this is a profession that that as black people men and women we're supposed to shut up and not say anything because if you do then right. you're going to be subject to not having a job or you're right. going to be subject to other you know uh you know being put on the night shift or whatever it may be. Right. But again, I right. think, again, right. this is just a profession where it should not be where we are being told you need to shut up, don't say anything, and if you do, you're not one of us. Well, let, let me start by saying, you know, when you all started this particular topic, you talked about how it was before you all got on. But let me mm-hmm. correct you. It's still that way. It's 2021, 20, oh. and yeah. there's nothing that has changed. And I'm going to say that, and that's the fact. Anybody can get mad about it, but it's the truth. Nothing yeah. has changed. I can't particularly speak on some things right now at this very moment, but there will be one day that I will be able to say everything that I would like to say. That is the truth. But I will say that nothing has changed. But one thing about me. If you notice what I said in that video, which is the God honest truth, God told me to go live. He told me to go live, and I was obedient, and I'm still obedient to, to what he told me to do, and he got my back. So whoever, whatever, want to come this way, they can, they can bring it on because you can't beat that man. But all I got to say is nothing has changed. Yeah, well, and you know, uh and you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think, you know, when we look back, do we have more uh, black men and women in law enforcement in 2021? Yes, we do. Uh, do we have more black executives? Yes, we do. Uh, do we have more women in law enforcement? Yes, we do. But if you look at how we only make up, I believe, less than 12% of the population in law right. enforcement, right. Uh those are not some good numbers. And and so there are still some challenges for black men and women who want to get into this profession. And you have some people who choose not to get into it uh, because of, uh, of, of the things that they see, but Hey guys, we're, we're coming up on our, on our next break. So we're going to take this break. We're going to get back into this hot topic of 
Where are the black voices in policing? But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Having trouble with math or science homework? Call Rose Holman Institute of Technology's Homework Hotline, a free math and science tutoring service for Indiana students in grades 6 to 12. Call toll-free 1-877-ASK-ROSE from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday through Thursday. And a Rose Holman College student will help you with your math or science questions. The tutors are patient, smart, and pretty cool. Remember, it's a free service and a free call. That's 1-877-ASK-ROSE or visit askrose.org. Back to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM, our sister station in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm LA Bachelor, and uh, you're listening to you and the law with Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green and their their special guest uh, guys. Um, and to your guests, I, I, I guess it was a question uh, directed, a comment and a question directed to to the three of you, and uh, the comment was. The George Floyd case opens up new wounds for Anisha in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's who um, sent in the information. Uh, it opens up new wounds or, or reopens up wounds for her. And her question was, the verdict, bad or good, would you be concerned in that city as a chief of police or law enforcement, right, in general, of, of the aftermath in terms of, uh, I, I guess you meaning like in terms of rioting or or any type of um, ramifications that may take place with a positive or negative uh, verdict based on what side you're on, guys. Keith, yeah, Virgil, you, can uh, I? Can, can, yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah abs- absolutely, uh, absolutely. Uh, depending on this verdict, I think I said it earlier, this verdict is going to be a, a milestone verdict uh, in the relationship between law enforcement and communities of color. Uh, if there is a if there is a uh, a guilty verdict, uh, you know there, there 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 could be celebration. Hopefully that it doesn't get to the point of destruction. Uh, I would hope that a guilty verdict would start a long overdue dialogue and a sit down with the communities of color. And when I say that, I mean all communities of color and law enforcement. How do we prevent this from occurring again? Now, if it goes to the point of not guilty, I think that you do have the possible probability of there being um, property destroyed, violence, not just in the city of Minneapolis. I think all cities will have to, because think about this. When this happened to George Floyd, it it was a... um, an effect, it affected all cities throughout the nation, not just larger cities, but, you know, mid-sized cities where uh, people wanted their, their voices to be heard and they wanted change. So I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist that if, if it is guilty, that it would be hopefully positive, but I'm a realist that you're going to have those individuals who don't even care about the verdict, who have no concern about this trial, but they look at the opportunities to uh, call themselves celebrating, but
or will take it to another level of destruction. I worry about that, but I'm a, I'm I'm going to be an optimist and, and say that if it if it is guilty, it, it will start a new level of of, of dialogue uh, in our nation uh, uh, that's long overdue. Yeah, and Virgil, right. before you respond, I, I had to correct it. She said I said Anisha, but it's Anithia in Tupelo, Mississippi. I just wanted to correct that, but go ahead. Sorry. All right. Well, hey, uh, we definitely thank you for listening to us in, in Tupelo, Mississippi, and, and a great uh, question. And I think, you know, uh, you know, like you said, Keith, uh, whether it goes with a guilty verdict or a not guilty verdict, you're going to see, uh, you may see if it's a guilty verdict, you may see uh, people, you know, uh, really, I hate to use the word celebrating, but, you know, you, celebrating the fact that there that there has been some justice for George Floyd and for the Floyd family. Uh, and I think you, you may see people who may take advantage of it who like they do with the, the, the Lakers or any other NBA team winning a super winning a uh, winning a championship and taking to the streets to celebrate. Next thing you know there's there's property destruction. Uh, and they, they take away from what has happened and so we you know i think that's something that the you know the city of minneapolis they have definitely prepared uh for weeks almost month in advance of 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 making sure that their city is safe and so i think a lot of uh police leaders are are doing the same thing across the country but um you know again this is something that all eyes are on on uh, minneapolis as to you know uh, the jurors, and as you know, it's left up to the jurors, Keith, and, and to our listeners. So, but, you know, I guess, you know, the, the, this topic that we're talking about is, you know, the black voices in, in law enforcement. And, you know, Ella, you mentioned something earlier that it's, we, sometimes you only hear from the black voices in, in policing uh, when something happens. You don't hear, it's not consistent. And I think that's what so many people want to see, want to hear is that blackly, if you are in, if you are a police chief or you're a police officer, use your voice in a positive way when you see something that is not right within the black community. Um, it, because, again, you can lose some credibility because people feel like you're, you're cherry-picking. You're, you're kind of deciding I want to be on this side. I want to be on this side, but now nah, I don't want to cross over. Miss Miss Jackson, what what is your opinion on? Well, I personally believe that there will be um, some destruction in all cities um, throughout the United States. Now, it's just my opinion. If the if the if the verdict comes back not guilty. Um, mm-hmm. This that's why I said earlier that this is a milestone, historic. It's 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 a case that can turn things around. It can be the it can be that pivotal case, okay. And that's just my opinion. But some things will happen if the verdict comes back not guilty, and it will not be in a positive way. Unfortunately, it will not be in a positive way. Yeah. Can yeah. I can I ask y'all, can I ask y'all something? Can I can I say something real quick? 
Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Do we have a, do we have a, so, so, Ms. Jackson and Virgil, I want you to think about this. I think there's been plenty of times that the that the dialogue could have been there and, and it could have changed for the pot. Now, let me say this. I have seen some things change in my 30-some years. I have seen some things change. And in the last two or three years, I've seen some things change when it comes to at least the admission that we could do things better. Now, I can admit it all day, but until I initiate change, but did you do you not think there's been those incidents? I go back and I look at the incident in South Carolina where the officer was um where the officer shot the I cannot think of the, the gentleman's name, but he shot the young man in the back as he was running away. Um he he then pled and is now serving federal time. Uh I think that was an opportunity that, that we now they're, they're they're doing some things there in South Carolina. I think that was Charleston, South Carolina. But I think that I think what happens is that we roll the dice that it's not going to happen in our cities. Now, or well, if it does, we've already got that relationship with the communities of color, so we can fix it. But it's it's a it's an ongoing. It's like training for any event. Uh, it's like studying uh, for medical school or any type of degree or any even high school diploma or any trade, you can't read one book and call yourself an expert or thinking that you know it, everything about it. And so we've had those opportunities. And, and, and so I, I, like I said, we got to keep, we got to stop missing these opportunities to do things better. And, and that's why your the call for reform is, is so loud. Yeah. Well, and Keith, I think, you know, Really, a lot of people on, uh, especially in the in the black community, uh, they they see black police officers uh, maybe in a in, in a negative way or maybe in a positive way, but you, you've got people asking the questions of why aren't uh, black police officers coming out, uh, uh, having these conversations. Uh, with the community about things that they that are happening within this profession, because you know I uh, you know I've reached out, you know I think you know we're trying to work on a on a on a putting something together to bring black police officers together to have this conversation about what is what are the issues that you're having? Do you feel comfortable uh, coming out talking about these things? Uh, in, a, in a form to where you can go back and have these conversations with uh, with your supervisors or with your leader or with with leaders within your agencies to uh, to say this is what I'm hearing in my community and and you know I represent at the end of the day we're we're black men and black women but we're in this uniform that's blue and and many different colors of uniform. But people often are, they they kind of feel like you're one of them. Uh, but there again, we've got officers who feel like if I do say something, there's some backlash for me internally, and I'm not trying to mess up my money uh, right. because I, I don't have that opportunity as as a as a white officer to go to another agency and get hired. Or and then if it doesn't work out at that agency, to go to another agency and get hired. Right. I mean, so but we we are but still. Virgil, let me let me 
but Virgil, let me say this. I, I, I do know that there are young officers. This is a whole different generation. And I do know that there are young African-American officers and also young white officers uh, and other uh, uh, ethnic ethnicities that are standing up and that are having these discussions and roll calls. And because I see it, I see it right here where those discussions sometimes get pretty heated. And, 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 you know, basically what people are saying is, man, you don't live in my shoes. I'm, you know, until you walk in my shoes, you can't tell me what I see and what I don't see. So those conversations are happening. Uh, and, and one of the things that we got, that we, that we can't do as supervisors, we can't, we can't mix those conversations. You know, we, we can't, in briefing, that's a safe haven. You should be able to have those discussions and briefings. Uh, I'm not saying that they allow them to dominate the entire briefing, but you should be able to have those conversations and let those officers get, uh, get that off, off their chest and tell you what they feel and how they see it. And then in the in-service classes that we have, they should be able to do that. That's how we're going to make this thing change. But we have, a, as, as supervisors, we believe that if you have some two people that disagree, and it may get a little bit elevated as far as the tone and things, that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. We, we deal in de-escalation. We should be able to de-escalate ourselves and have those conversations, but we don't have them because we, we, we don't allow people to have it because as supervisors, we're uncomfortable with that conversation because something might come up that we can't answer. And, and so we've got to stop doing that. We, we, we've got to yeah. stop doing that. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, another thing, I think, you know, I, what I'm hearing, and I think, you know, this, this uh, You Under Law podcast show gives us this platform to, to uh, have these, to talk about these topics with, amongst each other with our listeners, is that when these things happen, where are the black police officers coming out talking to the community? Now, yeah, and, and you know, there may be conversations amongst peers to peer, but where are these black police officers, men and women, are they coming out, speaking to the community and community forums when these things are negative that we're seeing on T, uh, we, we're seeing on social media or we've seen on TV? Um, so, so Ms. Jackson, what do you? What would be your opinion as as a black woman in law enforcement? Do you see, or, or have, or the the conversation that you're having with with your peers in in, in Alabama, are, are there concerns about not hearing the black voices, or do they see, or do you see more African Americans coming out? talking about these things that they didn't talk about, say, a year ago? No, let's be honest. I mean, you decide well, hey, to Ms. Jackson, you... Yeah. Well, hey, Ms. Jackson, I, I I just looked at our time, but I just realized we got to okay. take a break, and I don't want to go over So hold that thought, okay. but uh, you, you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I want to fill the seat with somebody. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. Oh, 
with Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Blog Talk Radio. You know, before Boost, our phone bill was obscene. So, we switched to Boost and got lines for the whole family with unlimited gigs for a much more family-friendly price. It's nice to have a phone bill that doesn't require parental controls. Your family deserves better. Get four lines for only $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. Plus, get up to four free Samsung J7 perks with six months of Hulu where you can stream all the shows everyone is talking about. All on the super reliable and super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. Chief uh, Keith Humphrey, Chief Virgil Green, and their guests, and Miss Jackson, of course, in law enforcement, all black individuals in laws. Uh, the topic, of course, black uh, leadership or black law enforcement leadership speaking up. Uh, guys, I did get a question. Uh, I guess this is a, a question that more, I guess, a comment um, from Brashawn in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, that says if speaking up cause issues professionally well it's a question if speaking up cause issues professionally are they invested into the community affected by brutality that is the question for the three of you chief Keith Humphrey chief Virgil Grain and of course your guest Ms. Jackson uh, Keith I'll let you uh, take on that uh that question, sir. Uh, you 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 go first, man. You always let me go first, so I'm gonna let age before beauty. Go ahead, man. Well, no, man. I mean, you know, you got the swag, brother. People want to listen to. Go, people want to hear the man, swag. Man, just answer boy. the man. Answer the question, man. <laughs> just answer the question. <laughs> Ellie, get, uh, if you could, sir, gotta gotta give me that question one more time, man. What if they're saying that if you know, speaking up is going to cause some issues as a a black law enforcement um, professionally. Are you at least invested into the community that's affected by the brutality that's taking place by um, law enforcement? So if you're going to be silent with your voice, are you doing something in the community to combat it? If If you're worried about, like you guys said, well, you know, I can't lose my job, what are you doing behind the scenes to fight against brutality and fight against racism is the question for Rashad. Yeah. Uh, well, Rashad, and we definitely want to thank you for tuning into you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, you know, and it's a good question because I think, you know, we've got a lot of officers, and we mentioned this earlier in the show, who are doing a lot of things behind the scenes. They don't want any recognition, but they're doing things just like what Ms. Jackson is doing in, in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and so many other officers are, are doing uh, within their communities, but also 
you know, they're u- utilizing that platform to to have these conversations within their communities. And I think, you know, that's something that uh, whether you're talking to a small group or a large group, whether it's at a church or whether it's at a at a at a event or whatever, but I think people need to understand that the voices that we have are very powerful. And are, and I guess in the question I'm you know posed to Ms. Jackson, are we using the voices that we have in law enforcement because it is a powerful voice. We do have a voice, but are we utilizing that voice to make change? And the where that our communities see that we're behind the the driving force for that change. Well, I can personally say that I have and I am, but I will also say that um, something that the the public the the community do not understand, and I understand that it is hard for them to understand that speaking up and speaking out, and a lot of instances being black in law enforcement is extremely hard and it's easier said than done from from the the citizen standpoint well just do the right thing you know just just say it but then you got that officer who's got a family at home they got they, they got to feed that family and they know chances are if they speak up that they will be either off without pay they may lose their job and i'm speaking from experience right now I can't get mm-hmm. into details, but all I'm saying is this. You know, it ain't as easy as you think. But I know for me and for myself, when I made that video, I spoke nothing but the truth, and I still do. You know, so, you know, take it easy on us. It's, it, 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 it appears to be easy. It, you know, hey, just, just go say it. Just, just, you know, do this or do that. But it's not that easy. Um, most black Law enforcement officers are not privileged enough to be in a black department. <laughs> That's a rare mm-hmm. that that you're higher yeah. up and your superiors are black, so therefore you're not fighting against, you know, upper management that may be white. Okay, so that's a that's a big difference. You know, we're we're, we're on a show where we've got some chiefs that's higher up. That is not most police departments. You know, so we have to take all of those things into consideration. You know, but I, I, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, with the talks that we're having today and the things that, you know, that we're doing, that changes here. It, 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 it may not be a fast race, but things are happening in a positive way. Yeah. Can I well, can I follow know. up with the question? Um, can I follow yeah, up ahead, with the Alex. question, uh, Chiefs and 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 Miss Jackson too, to that question, um, because. Uh, at the end of the day, for me, I'm speaking for me, I respect the three of you. You put your lives on the line, right? And I always tell you, Chiefs, you know, keep your head up and your head down at the same time. Like, I want you to get home to your family, right? Um, uh, but I guess the flip side of the, the, that particular, uh, you guys just mentioned in that conversation about the speaking out, I know Chief Humphrey, um for, for many, many, many years, and I know uh, he's, he said uh, on this broadcast and, and on, on my show that, you know, hey, I'll be out there, you know, I'm with marches and stuff, and I'm going to you know, do those things, and I understand it's very tough. However, like, so in, in, in my case, like I worked in corporate radio, uh, I mean, welcome to the party, uh, 
you know, people listening, this, this stuff has been going on for a long time. I've been speaking up. You know, I've lost some situations now, you know, being a, uh, a self-employed and owning my own business and speaking up and changing my format, I've lost advertisers. So at the end of the day, right, whether for me, in my opinion, right, so if you're police or if you own a radio station or a business, if you speak up, um, there are always going to be some ramifications of, of any profession, right? Um, we all want to eat and take care of our family, so I, I do get that. I, I totally get that. I have kids. And I, I I need to be able to take care of them, right? Um, but at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat as black people in these situations with with this climate, right? We we if we're going to speak up, we're going to lose something probably, and so it might be. Well, I guess what the, the emailer was, and 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 what I'm kind of saying is like if we're all kind of in the same boat, so it's. You know, you 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 run the risk of losing anyway. So, do you want to run the risk? I guess that question. I'm just plain advocate. Run the risk of losing um, and speaking up, or you don't speak up at all. And I think that's really what the question is, Chief Humphrey, because I know you do it. You you've yeah. done it. You know, all yeah. the time. That's, that's you, really the question. It just it just depends on what you made of LA. Uh, it depends on what you what do you feel is important to you. It depends on what you could come home. How, it depends on can you come home in the apt in the evenings and look at yourself or not look at yourself. Can you sleep at night because you because you can you sleep because you stood up on the wrong thing? Can you not sleep because you know you should have said something? Because you know we talk about it's never too late to say anything. Well, there are there are those times when it might it it it's it's. Uh, the time to speak up would have been, you know, then when somebody was, somebody said something or whatever. But I will tell you this: not speaking up is worse than uh, speaking up late. So I think it depends on what you're made of. I think it depends on what your, you know, what your, um, what kind of what kind of heart you have and and what kind of courage you have. Well, and you know, just to add to that, I think you know, the question. <laughs> would be why why would there be backlash when you are voicing your opinion in a, in a professional way uh why should there be backlash from a minority officer uh and you know miss jackson you know made the comment that some people just don't understand what when you do some of the things that may trickle down that you have to deal with, uh, but other people don't have to deal with those. And, and But you as a black officer, a man or a woman, you have to deal with with, with coming out, speaking out, uh, that potentially could, you know, where you could lose your job or you could end up having other things that may impact you. Uh, and so I think, you know, there's this <clears> – <throat> You know, we talk about this this blue wall. Here's this side of the wall where you want to say something, and you, but here's this side of the wall where if you do say something, you're going to suffer some consequences. So uh, what do you do? I think we're in a really uh, tough you know, situation where 
you got to make a decision to come out and, and address it, or do you sit back and be silent? And like you said, Keith, if you be silent, you are you, you just you're just a part of you're not a part of the problem, but you're not part of the solution. Well, and and that's the key. You gotta you gotta you gotta you you gotta be willing to stand up and suffer the consequences for the right thing. Stand up for the right thing and suffer the consequences. And a lot of you know, but there's just some people that don't know how to stand up. They don't. Uh, there there there's some that you know we say that, but some people just don't know how or they don't know why. Uh, they hear these things, but if they haven't experienced them firsthand, you know, they're not going to stand up. Yeah, yeah. Ms. Jackson, what, what's your, your thoughts on that? I do believe that it's not for everyone. Um, I, I, I know that personally, um, you know, I have experienced some things since the uh, video uh, went viral, and July will be a year. Um, I have experienced some things, and like I said, some of which I cannot speak on, you know, at this moment. But it's not mm-hmm. for everybody. But I, I do also understand and I respect the ones that has not and will not. I also understand that, too, because, you know, what? everybody's not leaders. So I can't look down on the next man or woman because they're not doing or haven't done what I've done because we're not all the same. But that doesn't mean that they don't want the same outcome. You know, so therefore, I would never look down on the next officer. You know, on the, on yeah. the off, next black black male officer, black female officer, because we were put here to do different things, and I understand that, and I respect that as well. Yeah, well, and that's and why I think, you, you know, have organizations, and that's why you have organizations like Noble and uh, NBPA Black Police Association for those individuals who may not feel they have that voice, and you've got a, you do have a voice for you. Uh, that's why they have, that's why you have yeah. meetings and conferences and stuff. So, so what I'm saying is, just because a person may not stand up toe to toe, they may be going through those organizations, uh, uh, and 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 so that they can have a bigger voice. So, I mean, that's that's yeah. why that's why we have Mobile. That's why we have BPOA. Uh, uh, those those are the reasons why. That's why the two organizations and other minority organizations in law enforcement were founded, so that uh, people who look like us would have their voice. You know, the the more the, the the more voices, the bigger the punch. So yeah, I just wanted to say that also. Hey, hey Virgil, um, I I had some people ask about Miss um, Jackson. She re- is referring to her experience. If if you would allow her, and if you go over to fine, if you allow her what her experience, or we can play um, the tape of the experience. It, it's your call. But they were asking, well, what is she talking about? So just to, just to kind of okay. let people know what she went through yeah. as, well, law, exactly. as being in law enforcement. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, Janae, if you want to share with our listeners what your experience were, I think a lot of people may not know about the, the video that, that you uh, posted up on Facebook that's been that, that's went viral. But kind of give a little bit of background uh, before we – uh, have to end the show about your experience and what we're talking about. Well, I was uh, real quickly, I was racially profiled uh, traveling to uh, work one day and, um, and I, I made a video about it and it wasn't the first time that 
I've ever experienced racial profiling in my 15 years of law enforcement. But um, this, that day just really took me over to be treated the way that I was treated, um, not just as a black woman, but a, a black woman in my federal uniform. Um, so I, I, I posted a video that um, went viral. Um, but, but like I said before, there are some things that I am still currently employed. And there are some things that I just, at this moment, I cannot discuss. Um, mm -hmm. But, um, you know, throughout the process, I have, that's hence the reason I named by police development and community development uh, program is called I Will Stand For What Is Right, because that's what I stand for. Yeah. Well, and, and I tell, you know, our listeners, you know, um, you can definitely go to, to YouTube and you can find her, the video that she, that she's talking about, uh, it's very powerful. And, um, uh, she has it definitely, uh, gained a lot of attention from that video showing her experiences on that traffic stop and how she was treated and how she was treated after, after that traffic stop. So, but Hey guys, we're, uh, Coming up on the last uh, minutes of the show, but Ms. Jackson, we, I want you to share with our listeners uh, the, the things that you're doing in Birmingham, and if you got any special things that are coming up, uh, share share that with us. Uh, we got about a minute uh, before we end the show, but uh, uh, kind of let our listeners know uh, what you're doing and how they can reach you. Yes, you can reach me. I have my uh, um personal page at D Janae that is D E E J E N A Y Jackson and also D Janae uh, on Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel that is the same. And check my uh web web address out. Uh, my website is change starts with you. And that is change starts with you. And that will break down everything that I am doing in my community. It will show you um, how to keep up with everything that's going on uh, within my organization. Um, so, like I said, that is www.changestartswithyou, and that's just the letter U, not the word U. Okay. All right. Well, hey, everyone, we definitely want to thank you for tuning in to another edition of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, hopefully you will tune in next week uh, for another edition. But again, guys, thank you for thank you, Miss Jackson, for coming on and T Swag. Man, we will see you, uh, see you. again, brother. All right, man. Good night to everybody and uh, God bless. All right, and hey, you've been listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. That had I not had my shirt on, my uniform shirt on, and had. Once he arrived at my window, I reached in that console that I would have been shot if not killed that day. That day, July 31st, Officer Jackson was heading to work from Birmingham to Huntsville on Interstate 65 North when she was pulled over in Bluntsville. Not one time when I was approaching that area that I don't think about that traffic stop. She says she passed an officer running radar on the side of the road and they made eye contact. And I, I saw him quickly approaching me, so I knew I was going to be stopped. But what she didn't know was what was going to happen during that stop. She said she asked the officer why she was being pulled over. And he kind of stuttered, uh, uh, where you were falling too close. 
And I had a dazed look. I kind of looked at him. Then he said, and you were on your phone. I said, no, sir. She says then the officer appeared agitated. It went from him being shocked that I was in uniform to it appeared to me as kind of insulted. Jackson says for several moments, both officers belittled her. She says she knew things could have escalated and ended bad for her. But she says what hurts the most is this same story is happening to African-Americans all across the country, and they don't have a badge to keep them alive. If I stop you with no probable cause and, and you're driving and you know you didn't do anything wrong, what happens is what happened to me. I was tired, frustrated. It has to stop. And I owe black and brown people this, that change is here. And I'm going to do everything that I can to educate people. I'm going to do everything that I can to remove the fear of being stopped. In Birmingham, Xavier Harris, WVTM 13.
Craig Bachelor Jr. And he's Kevin Bachelor. And this is Smooth Smooth Thing. And you're listening to The Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Can I give you all the things that you need? Can I give you all the love that you want? If you can stand it, baby, I will always love you, baby. I will always trust in you. I will always.